Welcome, comic book lovers or people who want to be comic book lovers. Thank you so much for lending your ears to us today. Slimy Slime Greg, what books are we coming? No, we're not doing that nickname. <laughs> slimy Slime. Just say, hey, Greg. All right. Hey, hey Greg. Yeah. What, what books are we covering this week? Uh, we are covering uh, Pearl from... Jinx World, which I <laughs> guess that's from DC. All right, uh, Matt, leave that in because that's an imprint that deserves a fucking laugh. A question mark. Yeah, why? <laughs> Jinx World. Uh, crowded by Image and Volition from Aftershock. Those are three comic books if I've ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in uh, one of our comic books, Crowded, there's a bunch of crowdsourced things. So, uh, Who's in the club today? And if you could have anything that of your dreams be instantly kickstarted, what would it be? I'm Mike DeStacy. My family and heritage is from Italy. Um, so I've always had this dream to recreate the um, Colosseum in some capacity. And I think I would recreate the Colosseum in Kansas City, my hometown, with discarded CD-ROMs. Oh. So it would be built with, like, super glued together, like AOL, free 100 hours of internet, mm-hmm. sort of junk CDs. Forgive my knowledge. I Is the Colosseum... Forgive your knowledge? <laughs> uh, I do know a lot, so... <laughs> is, the, is the Colosseum the uh, structure that's leaning? <laughs> the leaning Colosseum, you got it. Yeah, the leaning Colosseum of um, Treatza. Ah, yes, okay. <laughs> Um, this is Budget King, and the thing I would have kickstarted is scientifically, if you are to have sex and orgasm, the only thing that gets your heart rate up that high is a roller coaster, dropping down a roller coaster. So there would be uh, a roller coaster, you walk in, it's a padded room, and another person walks in and... Have sex with them. You could, if you wanted to. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to? So this... <laughs> Is a giant roller coaster. Yeah, the whole the, room is going on rails. It's the size of our FUD mansion. This this room in the FUD mansion, which is roughly, would you call the sixteen by sixteen? What it, I mean yeah. is it like you know those um, sky trams, like mm-hmm. roughly the size of yes. one of those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Just so on you a could, if I coaster. like, you could walk in with somebody and you're just like, no, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know, we're both losers. Um, but well, then, then you, would, if you're both losers, but then you just do it. Yeah, why not? And you don't get to say, yeah, I would do it. I don't understand what I'm helping kickstart <laughs> at all. The ride it's itself. Sex coaster. People sex giving coaster. themselves heart yeah, attacks. Oh, and they, they, yeah, thank you, Caitlin, for filling in the gap. <laughs> or maybe the lawyers that you have to hire from the inevitable. No, you're saying the diseases afterwards? You just hope they hose them no, down. No, like maybe deaths from all the heart attacks. They're, pa- they're, yeah. pa- they're padded rooms. Oh, the people are going to have heart attacks when they have to. You yeah. can still get a concussion in a padded room. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just banging his head against his knees, just repeatedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I try to suck it too. <laughs> Yoga, baby. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. He collapsed on stage tonight. <gasps> no. He had a concert. Really? Yeah. I don't know what happened of it, but I know that he did. Um... He's our um, namesake. What? what? <laughs> None of. What are, what are you on right now? I don't understand anything you've said for the last like. He five went to minutes. Salami Carl's earlier and yeah. just had some bad. I thought he was gonna say like he's a, our songbird of our generation. And I was like, well, 
maybe just below the band corn. I was but... looking. I was looking for the word that like um, we made this podcast because of him, like uh, inspiration. Nope. No. Is our muse? Yeah, our muse. Our muse. Marilyn Manson is our muse. I would say like for all the kids that have been left out, like. <laughs> What? You ever feel like you ever didn't get your chance? It's your time to shine. You and the little people that got shit on. Uh, come to First Issue Club. You know what it's about, bub. That's what Wolverine says. That's <laughs> you know, that song was famously done by Marilyn Manson. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, six 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 mile. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer, Budgie King. Always, I'd love to kickstart your whatever, your sex drop, sex coaster, your sex drop room. Uh, this is a great tie, and I have trouble keeping my eyes on the prize. Um, meaning, when I talk to people, I lo- I like to look at their extremities because um, I'm a very <laughs> visceral kind of person, and mm. I like to get motivated uh, by people's bodies apparently <laughs> well as you uh, everyone knows a lot of people don't like that when you look at their um no no spots <laughs> so i would invent the ogle goggles and what they are is like led glasses that um mirror your eyes and uh, that make eye contact with the person you're talking to where then you can just stare at whatever you want <laughs> Wait, are they the same as, like, those glasses that have the eyes on them? No, no, no. Like, this uh, is, like, full 4K, like, okay. crystal clear. Looks like your own eyes. Yeah, yeah. These are expensive. Are you're you're going to invent a way for people to look at people's boobs. <laughs> yeah, well, they there is a product. They're called sunglasses. I but think, mine forgive my <laughs> knowledge, but I think he said no-no spots. <laughs> I did. Is the bathing suit area. Is that not what you guys call each other's spots? <laughs> No, no. Yeah, I thought there was a shared. No, no, I thought there was a shared couple term. <laughs> oh no, my name is Caitlin, and I think I would have a two-in-one kit, and one would be the cat vacuum, and you can vacuum your cat so that the shedding problems don't occur in your home, and then you could maybe have like a detachment or something so that you could vacuum your own clothing, or you just throw in a free pair of clothing that they would have to invent. That's like you can't. It's impossible to get cat hair on them. I am constantly out in public, and people are have told me on more than one occasion, you're covered in cat hair. I don't know if you're aware of this. So and they, I, I have lint rollers everywhere, and it just when doesn't... Somebody, so people say that to me about my dog hair. When somebody says that to you, do you say, like, in your mind, you're like, fuck you. I knew it. You could have just pretended like I didn't. Um, yes. All right. Let's get this podcast First up, we have Pearl out um, on Jinx World by Bendis and Gaius. <laughs> you guys are. Sorry, we can't get through that okay, without no. laughing. I know. Jinx do you want me to do it again? No. Okay. No, it's, <laughs> um, it's just going to happen every time. Okay. So Pearl is a unique woman who's had a unique upbringing to plant her where she is, which is a Yakuza tattooist in San Fran who is about to risk it all for Rick 
who's a dweeb gangster. Um, so I have a handful <laughs> of questions. That's my intro. Um, I, love it. I have a handful of questions. Really good. I am really not sold on this book, but I am hoping, as we often do, you guys can turn it around for me. So, what's her skin that makes people freak out so much? Is she albino? Um, what's happening? It's hard to tell. Does she for stay me. like indoors? She smell like hibiscus. But people keep referencing this this skin yeah, that the, she has. You you would if you read this but didn't have the comic book to look at, you would assume she was like a porcelain human being. Yeah, had a like glass just or walking something. down the street. Yeah. So <laughs> I so think, we don't know. Well, I think there's something. Yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. That, a, <laughs> we don't know is a great answer, but I think there's something to be said about her being a tattoo artist and also being looked at as like the perfect canvas for art. Yeah. That people view her in that certain way. Yeah, yeah. Which brings me to my next question. Why does um, being a tattooist mean that you will be a good assassin? Ooh. Well, I think there's some backstory there because she's had training with a gun. Because he says steady hand is good for tattooing and by, a gun. By Fire. training, are you referencing the scene where her father gives her a gun specifically to tell her to shoot men who try to touch her? In, in the penis. In the pee-pee multiple times. Yes. Uh-huh. To set this up, she's just at a bar where she meets dweeb gangster Rick, and um, he's freaking out about her tattoo and her skin, and the this rival gang on, on motorcycles comes by. It's like a drive-by, and they she ends up shooting one in the head. But, she, again, she seems very confused and, like, I was just in the, like, either right place, right time, or wrong place. Rick does not seem like he's in a gang. No. Mm-mm. He's a he's a, another tattoo artist though. He's he mentions yes. often. Oh, he's in yes. a rival tattoo gang. Yeah, which are uh, at least here in Kansas City, just running rampant on the streets, <laughs> <laughs> just tattooing whatever they can get their little needles on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not there's no skin un- untattooed in Mm-mm. Kansas City. Skin mm-hmm. not, doesn't even have to be human skin. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen raccoons with flaming skulls mm-hmm. on their butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah, it's just gotten out of hand here. <laughs> so I can see why this is um, a popular topic for comics now. It's gotten to the realm where it has to be talked about. Can I talk about the art for a second? It looks like they did it in Photoshop, like they colored over a, a picture. See, I 100% agree. If this was, if this was purely drawn, bravo. Yeah. Like, this is beautiful. It almost looks like, but to your point, it looks like someone took a picture and then drew on top of the picture. Yeah. It's like these are like movie stills that I just like cut up and mm-hmm. drew over a little bit. The it, it's, it's very... Consistency panel to panel mm-hmm. of what these characters look like is insane. Mm-hmm. And I, it's something you don't really appreciate in comics typically that like someone can draw a character and then for the next 30 panels that that character is in, like they've never been drawn different. Yeah. yeah. And normally there's some variation there. But these... We're looking at people's faces from different angles and places, and they look like real people. They do. To the I point was... where it's, like, distracting almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was completely distracted. Yeah, it remind, it kind of reminded me of, like, scanner, a Scanner yes. Darkly sort of thing. Yeah, yes. yeah, perfect. It's not, it's not necessarily that art style, but that kind of, like, too real to mm-hmm. really feel like art. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, movie reel... The beginning of this comic, this is billed as from the creator of Jessica Jones. But as you know, because I'm sure everybody knows, this is published on Jinx World. Mm-hmm. Famously uh, published on yeah, Jinx World. Famous, a famous Jinx World comic. 
which is a DC imprint. Jessica Jones is a Marvel uh, property. Property. So kind of fucking weird that DC is just like gonna be like, you know what? We want your money. It was one of the first things that struck me from this, and when I read from the creators of Jessica Jones, I think that reads as like the Netflix show, which is maybe yeah. more recognizable. One hundred percent from the yeah. Netflix show. But also are like, are people who are just like casual Netflix fans going to be walking into a comic book shop and saying like, oh, I like that Jessica Jones show. Um, no. Not at all. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to put on the front of the comic book. It, yeah. it seemed like a, a weird money grab thing. You know it, what I mean? Just like, right. hey, you missed the boat on Jessica Jones, number one. Don't miss the boat on Pearl, number one. <laughs> you ever read Harry Potter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're a huge comic book fan, you fucking know that. You know that Brian Michael Bendis yeah. is a fucking well, that's, hot shot. That's not why they put that on there. He needs no introduction. He that doesn't. Is, and it's kind of insulting. It's like people that read comics are just like, yeah, I fucking know. I'm going to skip is, this book now. This is them trying to... I skipped it specifically because of that. And I accidentally... I read it wrong thinking... I don't know why I thought this. That like DC had bought a, into the story of Jessica Jones somehow. And that they, this is going to be like a story within that. And I was like, eh, I don't do period pieces. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I was going to say, I think that there's a certain thing about Brian Michael Bendis in being like the golden boy of Marvel Comics that he's kind of credited with saving Marvel Comics. He wrote this run of Ultimate Spider-Man when Marvel was really struggling, did some really interesting things with the character, made him a... Um, minority who was biracial and kind of made people care about comic books from Marvel again. Um, it was a huge get for DC to pull him from Marvel. This is A-Rod and, going to the Yankees. Yeah, and ever since, it's I feel like it's kind of been like an in-your-face parade that, like, <laughs> guess what? We got him. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they did full-page spreads in the middle of comics that were just like, Bendis is coming to DC and, like, that's all they said. Because comic book fans, like, understand what's going on. Like, yeah. they poached Marvel's guy. He, If Brian Michael Bendis would have stuck with Marvel, he probably would have ended up being, like, one of the top brass at some point. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure Marvel's okay because they're just like, well, we oh. have Jason Aaron and, like, Donny Cates. Like, they're not hurting. And they also have fucking Disney and, like, a movie yeah. empire, so... it's It was a weird thing that, like... <laughs> it's like it's like a kid getting, like, fancy hand-me-downs. They're just like, oh, guess what? I got Abercrombie and Fitch shirts now. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, but I wore them last week and gave them to yeah. you. Yeah, it would be as if, like, the Lakers... Like before every game, they would be like, "We now have from the world champion Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> uh-huh. LeBron James." That's about that's the that's kind of what I was about to try to make point wise is that maybe they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot, hyping all of this up when they could have just let him come into it in earnest. And yeah, just, you know, and just do what he does instead of being like absolutely right. everybody freak out. Like the the most that you can because he's here and That's this well is what played. he's doing, and then he's like, great. He's done enough good stuff that I guess I trust him. I don't want to. It sounds like we're really sh- shitting on him in this comic. Um, I. It was fun. It was fun enough of a read for me. I think like the the first part of the story was really interesting. Guy meets girl. That's got me. Mm-hmm. Uh. The whole, 
Yakuza mafia thing. Like, maybe a little too tropey. Like, tying in, like, tattoo artists to it makes it a little cornier. I think Actually, that's how, what my I, problem was with it. It was too tropey. This was like Atomic Blonde, any espionage spy thing. Like, it just seemed like I've seen this story before. There's, there's a lot of questions that I would also like answered, so I may that would be funny buy, a, buy issue two just like to dementia. be like, yeah. just <laughs> to get more clarity on the whole situation. God, that's crazy. Have a little aha moment. I guess, but... Pearl normally means uh, you're getting something surprising, special, worth it when you uh, work for it. That's a good point. Oh, my God. Her name's Pearl, and pearls mm-hmm. are white. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And she's, like, known for, like, her delicate white skin. Mm-hmm. Like, was there, like, some kind of connection there? Something. But yeah. also that she's a, the best assassin the world has ever known. And Which she, is also another term for a great assassin, a pearl. That yeah. pearls yeah, are known. Totally. Wow. She's yeah. all coming together. She's special. Yeah. yeah, a really good tattoo artist, I think, is called. A pearl. A pearl, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Next up, we have Volition number one, Synthiology on Aftershock, uh, words and art by Parrot and Francia. In this book, artificials are people too, and they have a creator, and that creator is missing or maybe killed. And there is one artificial named Amber who might change that. And so basically what artificials are, are there robots, robots. They were created in an apartment, multiplied from there. They are in various stages of development. They are much like people. There was no uprising. Their AI makes them much more individualistic than humans feared. And so people are just kind of coexisting with these things. It's an interesting perspective for me on humanity and the ability to accept what we can understand and relate to, and then also an interesting perspective on the human struggles that they face in this book. Because they've got, like, modifications, trying to make themselves more relevant and better and, like... It kind of makes you think, like, what is what defines a human, which I think is why it's called volition. Yeah. I've never had this experience before with a comic where I like it a lot. I want to get... I want to stay with the story and, like, read it, but it's kind of just boring. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean... <laughs> The idea of, like, yeah, nothing crazy happened. They're just here. Yeah. Is a little, like, oh, okay. So here's my deal. How many fucking things have you absorbed in your life that are just, like, oh, like, artificial intelligence gets too smart, and then we've got to give them, like, human Mm -hmm. rights and shit like that? I got into this book, like, maybe five pages in, and I was just like, I don't want to read another one of these. (laughs) I, I, I robot things. I yeah. can't mm-hmm. handle this again. Like, what else are you gonna do with this that hasn't been done before? Blade Runner. And then, I, to be honest, I kind of think they did something with it that I haven't seen done before. I like the idea of like there's this woman who started the AI, who's kind of the god of robots, and having her kind of ingrained in these couple, like first wave of robots is an interesting dynamic that she's this, like, missing holy grail to these people that they're, like, searching out for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't they compare her to Bobby Fischer? Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Well, because throughout the whole left. book, the yeah. She disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fact that there's this first wave of robots that's, you know, has kind of been forgotten, whereas there's this other, like, upgraded level, like, the whole idea of, like, 
bargaining for or, or hitting the black market for upgrades and yeah, stuff like that yeah. was kind of fun and interesting. And I think that like the most perspective you're getting is from the robots, mm-hmm. um, which is not normally how this story is told. Yeah, did anyone notice any humans in the story at all? The doctor who welcomes our, I think our later character, mm-hmm. to life. Where he's just like, you've been born into this world and where we've made you for these other androids. That scene parents. was really great because she was born, but mm-hmm. obviously robots can't be born. They're created. But she has parents. Mm-hmm. And the reason that she exists is because the, the woman-coded uh, robot and the male-coded robot sacrificed parts of them to make another robot. And so, essentially, it's their Interesting child. Interesting concept, yeah. Which is kind of a... I've never really seen that play out in a comic before. Like, that kind of idea of robots thinking of themselves as parents. There's a lot of interesting ideas thrown into this comic book, which could have gotten real tropey real quick, but I think they sidestepped a lot of those, like Mike D was saying, which could make for a pretty interesting read in later issues. They did, there's like a little bit of symbology in the cover, I don't know if you noticed this, where we've got all these robots in line, and they're all facing forward, you know, kind of in like a programmatic sort of way. And then our two lead characters um, have their heads kind of tilted at a three-fourths angle, and they're looking right at you. Right. Different colored eyes. Different colored eyes, and mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're looking right at the viewer. And there's something about that. Um, that is unsettling. That is certainly unsettling. <laughs> it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, here you go. I love, that's something I didn't, you know, you don't notice until after you read the book. Right. Um, so the word symbology is the study of symbols. I think the word you're looking for is symbolism. Forgive his knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, I, uh, I didn't know we were in Boondock Saints. I can't. I will be able to forgive your knowledge, I believe, in this one. And That is pretty creepy. You know, they're looking right at you. Not pretension. You're just very smart. and <laughs> Thorough. I, and thorough. And I, I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you for forgiving my knowledge. We have our pick of the week. Crowded from Image. Words and art by Sabella and Stein. I loved this crazy book. These women, Vita and Charlie, are this odd couple of characters that are so instantly complex and interesting in their complexity. They're both so much more than what you get or what you would get just by looking at them from the jump. And that really drove the entire story for me from there. Even though the world around them is also interesting in that it's so close to our own world, but it's just that much extra with all of these startup apps, all of these odd jobs that people are doing for money, all of this crowdsourced workforce, I guess you would say, and and all the killing. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see them annoy and grow to like each other if they can stay alive long enough. <laughs> what do you, What did you guys think? I thought it was written super well. Like, if somebody just pitched me on, like, the regular ideas of this um, crowdsourced world and, like, this lady's going to get killed because she's now on a crowdsourcing app where they kill people and she got so much money that she needs to be killed so she needs a defender, mm-hmm. I'd be like, ooh, okay, I guess. I don't know. But they, like, wrote it so funny mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. and like, But also they really sliced the line of, like, making you care. The characters are good. The story dips it, like, never loses me. Mike D said, like, wasn't it long? And I was like, whoa, it seemed super short to me, actually, because I just was, like, in it. 
Yeah. So it's a solid book. Yeah. So you have Vita, who is a, d- a defender, like you said, and sh- her job is to protect people who have campaigns started it for them where enough money has been raised that people want to get the money. Um, and usually that's to kill them, I would assume, for this particular platform. And then you have Charlie, who is this this person who's very much bought into all of these startups in this world, and she is the one who has the campaign out against her, so hires Vita to protect her. So she essentially is an Uber driver. That's like you would just like click to hire, click to hire uh, a dog walker, a babysitter, a tutor. Um, I'm just pulling clothes, this from memory. Clothes sharing app yeah. that she gives clothes to people. They do this great day in the life thing with her, and she works like 12 jobs by noon. Mm-hmm. She yeah, but it's all by like money. social media apps that yeah. are like, they're not you know real jobs. They're just ways to make a buck mm-hmm. without having to do a job. And they're all based a little bit on like her ratings on them, because mm-hmm. they. T- I think that's one of the most brilliant part about this is like her defender has really bad ratings. Yeah, <laughs> and she's always bringing that up. Yeah, because she yeah like she's not there for the ratings, and then but yet her rating for keeping people alive that she's supposed to defend is like 100%. Yeah, right. And that's not the thing. Like, people are looking at her profile, and they're not choosing her because her other ratings are so low. I thought that one of the weird, interesting things about this book was that um, the crowdfunded amount of money to get this our lead character killed was, like, in the millions. Right. Which is apparently, like, unheard of. They established in the book that's unheard of for the dollar amount to get that high. Yeah. And they leave that as kind of a a mystery. They show that her friends are after her. Um, Her neighbors. Her neighbors. uh, And maybe that's just because they're close to her and they know who she is and they want a quick buck. But do you guys think there's more to this character than let on that there's maybe something rightfully that she's supposed to getting killed for. I do. And I think you get to see a little bit of maybe another side that she's keeping from her defender at the end when she's sneaking out of bed and calling people from her defender's phone, like cursing them out and like, like, I'm going to kill you after this. Yeah. Putting a gun like together at the table, like getting ready to. Oh, does she put a gun together? Yeah. She's sitting there loading the gun and like, I didn't catch that. Threatening one of her friends yeah. from her you know, defender's phone. You know what I did see, though? That there's some sort of scene in here where she's at this, like, uh, her protector takes her back to this safe house. And there's this scene where she's, the, the protector's like, I think there's more to you. And they're walking into another room. And uh, she flips off the TV. Yeah. It's like breaking news. Yeah. Massacre in Echo oh. Park. Yes. Massacre in Echo Park. And so she I'm like, she might be deadly. Oh, that's got to be related to her somehow. What Ooh, if um, she turned it off? Okay. What if she's like, she, she takes all these jobs where she earns easy money. What if she's like, there's like an app to hire an assassin, and we find out like she's like a, a, a hired assassin on like Wednesdays Honestly, at two. Honestly, she'll do anything for money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what it, it. It reminded me of Scott a little bit. This idea that you want someone killed, you just go and type something in and like start a campaign like mm-hmm. and that that's what all of this so freedom what, is what going to this uh, show or this uh, comic book is going to become a show a movie I think uh, Rebel Wilson Rebel Wilson didn't you say rumor rumor sorry rumor Willis rumor Willis sorry yeah. it's it's Rebel Wilson okay okay yeah 
to star in and produce comic book adaptation Crowded. How about it? Before the first issue even comes out. Hey, that's the world we live in now. It certainly is. What was that weird book that we read that became a... Oh, the Lost... Lost Lost City Explorers. Lost City Mm -hmm. Explorers, yeah. Fucking TV show. It's immediately TV show, which is crazy. Analog is going to be a show which deserves to be one. Analog Mm -hmm. certainly deserves a show. I'm stoked on that. I don't know. There's a lot to love about this. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of small nuance that makes the world really fun. Yeah, it's a really fun book. Yep. Check it out in our Pick of the the Week. week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is crowded, I think, unanimously. Right? Yeah. Across the board. Easy. I really liked the other books we had. Or I I really liked them, but and I think Volition was a close. Volition was great. Second for And Pearl wasn't as bad as much as we slammed it, but um, sh- shout out to the burst of Spider Geddon. It's kicking off a Spider Man event. Did, did you read it? Oh, I loved it. Was it good? Yeah, it's like this punk rock Spider Man that got introduced in Edge of Spider Verse. Uh, who's back? Hobie. So, to mention another first issue that came out this week that we almost covered was this X Men Extinction book. And the point of that is that they're trying to clean up some of the timeline stuff that's going on in X-Men. So if you follow Marvel Comics at all, you know there's like two Cyclopses and two Jean Greys. Very three. Com- well, no, not three. Two, but then there's another Grey. Sure. It's just so, X-Men's so confusing. We're back to like 90s X-Men, where it's just like everything's so convoluted and confusing week to week that you just have no fucking clue what you're reading. Right. Uh, so the point of X-Men Extinction was to clean up the timeline a bit, send some characters who aren't supposed to be, in the present day, back, so we just have one Iceman, one Beast. Um, obviously, it's it makes new comic books completely inaccessible when you've got that much yeah. BS to deal with. Part of me thinks by calling this Spider-Geddon, they're doing the same sort of thing with the Spider-Man universe. I would say if you're a new fan to Marvel, maybe just skip these, and then the books that are the follow, like the books that uh, I guess benefit from the repercussions yeah. of these stories. The aftermath yeah. pick, of these books. Yeah, pick those up. Yeah, because it'll be a lot. Because it'll be a lot easier to get. But I think yeah. this is a good thing for fans um, to just like have a big fun thing that's really eventful and like anytime you kill off characters, that's a big deal for yeah. comic book fans. Yeah. So uh, I think it'll be fun for us to at least get a reason why things reset. Instead of just arbitrarily resetting these storylines and being like, ah, remember all those confusing things that were tough to deal with? They Fresh just, start. They just never happen. Gone. So yeah. I, I appreciate that they're at least explaining them out. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a podcast, and we <laughs> are Fine. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us this week on First Issue Club. We covered a lot of books, we had a lot of fun, and we were uh, edited and produced by Matthew Hodap, recorded in KCUR Studios. Our music was by Primary Color Music, and we are part of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. This has been Budget King, and I constantly have the dilemma of thinking that I would be in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and choose the wrong cup. Uh, which would then uh, send me to death and hell. So um, that's a constant nightmare I have, and I just wanted to publicly admit that. <laughs> Thank you for being so brave. Yeah, that's brave. <laughs> I'm Mike DeStacy, and um, I do this thing every night where I count down from 100, and I've never gotten to 
one. I always fall asleep beforehand, so um, I just want to say goodbye by saying 100. 99. No, Mike, no. 98. Oh, oh yeah, okay. you didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Never got the one. <laughs> You're right. See? I thought you were going to fall asleep. I'm done. Record intact. <laughs> <laughs> I am Caitlin Brassick, and I will show myself out. This is Good Lick Ty. Uh, follow us on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the voting is still up for Best of Local Podcast for the pitch. Uh, go follow that. Go rate and review us. Five stars, please. It really helps us with the ratings. Um, and with all that said, I will show myself out. Bye.